Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Well, today I want you to grab your Bibles and we are looking at, I believe, one of the most important topics that we could ever talk about as, as Christ followers in this series. And the series is called Love Where You Live. Let's say that together. Now, I want you to turn to the person next to you that probably lives with you. Tell them, you need to love where you live. Y'all need to say, <laughs> some of y'all are like, don't tell me that. I'm mad at you. I'm not going to love you today. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting to look at what the Bible talks about, what love is. I know we live in a world that, that tries to define war, love in a lot of different ways. And I think we have a lot of misconceptions about love. And, and the Bible tells us that we ought to love where we live. And again, our wires kind of get crossed a lot of times. But the Bible's so clear about this. If you want to look and um, just to kind of review some of the, the verses that we looked at last week in 1 John Chapter four, verse eight, it says, whoever does not love does not know God. That's pretty deep. If you don't love, you don't know God because God is love. Mark 12, 30 says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So love is, is so, so important. And I think a lot of times, as I, I, I shared last weekend, one of the things that we learned is that a lot of us believe that love is God. And when you talk about loving people, you've defined it through the lens of that love is God. And the Bible tells us the opposite of that, and that is that God is love. God is love. The very character, the very being of God, is, it's love. See, if you define love as God, it means that you're going to allow culture to define what love means. It also means that you will... If you believe that love is God, then you'll cancel anybody you don't like. You also believe that love should be comfortable. It's just, you're going to love people that you want to love and you're not going to love other people that you don't like. But when you understand that God is love, you, you, you begin to process through a different lens and understand that really the way that we love, it's, it's, it's biblical. It also, the way that we love, is it's not cancel, it's compassionate. It also means that we are going to be challenged oftentimes to get out of our comfort zone and to love people that maybe it's not comfortable to love. Now today I, I want to talk just, I want to go just a little bit deeper and just kind of keep showing you some more um, passages of scripture in the Bible. But, you know, I was thinking about, you know, what, what do we really in our culture believe is the, is is really great. And I know we can think about a lot of people that are great. For example, uh, how many of you love basketball? Any basketball fans? Okay, I got four people raising their hand. Everybody is like, I'm not playing today. I'm sleepy. Don't ask me any questions. 
How many of y'all love basketball? All right, all right, a little bit more. Uh, who do you think's the greatest? Uh, is it Jordan or LeBron? Let's, let's see, all the, everybody, Jordan, raise your hand. You think Jordan, wow. LeBron, nope. <laughs> Two people, okay. What about football? Any, any football fans here? This house is full uh, of football fans. Who's the greatest quarterback, Tom Brady or Manning? Brady, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Brady, raise your hand. All right, uh, Manning. All right, uh, I think, I, I think uh, Brady won that one. Uh, what about golf? Tiger Woods or Jack? Tiger Woods, raise your hand. You think he's the greatest golfer ever? What about Jack Nicklaus? All right. You know, we, we, a lot of us, we can go through a lot of the sports and a lot of the things that we love. And, and uh, we love to say those are the greatest people. And you've probably heard people use the, the phrase goat. They're the goat. They're the greatest of all time. And, but, you know, when you look at the Bible, you begin to see that, that Jesus Christ, the way that he sacrificially loved people and loved us, he's the greatest of all time. The Bible tells us in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So really, Jesus Christ is the greatest of all. And one of the things that you see him model continually is that if you want to be the greatest in life, it's not defined you know, in, in the way that a lot of us define it, whether we're, we're like, you know what, man, I want to just have a lot of money, a lot of stuff. I want to be talented. It's all about love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest. But isn't it true that it's hard? I think we, we, we fall in love with the idea that we ought to be loving, but we don't really want to love people that we don't like. We don't want to love people that <clears throat> are different than we are. And you begin to look at the Bible and you begin to look at the words of Jesus. And I automatically think of, of John chapter 13. And again, I'm going to give you a whole lot of scriptures here today if you want to write the, some, some more of these down. But John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It doesn't, it doesn't tell us that people are going to know that you're my disciples by the way that you attend church, even though a lot of us believe that. It doesn't say that, um, man, you memorize <coughs> a lot of scripture. I have not coughed all week long and I get up here and my allergies start kicking in. I, this happened to me last weekend. Um, you see this, that, that he says that, that the way people are going to know that you're my disciples is not that you, even though it's important to memorize scripture, even though it's important to go to church, he says, the way people are going to know that you are my disciples is because you love people. You love people. Listen to what he says. He says that what he's basically telling us that what we as Christ followers ought to do is we don't leverage what we know over 
leveraging, leveraging love. And it's very easy to start leveraging in our lives what we know over using love as the ultimate leverage of reaching people for Christ. You know, one of the things that happens to a lot of us is sometimes the more right you feel about a certain topic or a certain thing in your life, the more potential that you have to act in a wrong way towards people. If you study church history and you begin to go back hundreds of years, the, the first few hundred years of the early church, the reason why the early church exploded is because they were known as the most loving people on the planet. Think about that for a moment. The reason the church grew was because they were the most loving people on the planet. And I want to remind you of something that the reason we exist as a church is to reach people, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We're not having church for just to give, just to give church people something to do on a Sunday. We as a church are called to reach people. So it, doesn't it make sense that we ought to step back a little bit and say, what is God's strategy for us to reach the world? See, I think a lot of us get a little nervous for God. We're, we look at what's happening in our world, in our culture today, and we're honestly a little nervous, and we think God needs a little bit more help in convincing people. But the last time I checked, God is the one that changes people's lives. And I think what happens is that we forget that the reason why the early church reached so many people, it's because they were the most loving people. And I believe that we stand today at a really important intersection in church history today. Because I believe, listen to me, we live in a culture, we live in this cancel culture. When someone doesn't think like you think and they don't act like you do and they don't believe like you do and they don't vote like you vote or they think differently, what do you want to do is we just, and I'm going to cancel them. They can't be in my life. When the pastor says something you don't agree with, cancel them. Go look for another church. That's what a lot of us do. When our neighbor goes out to check their mail, mail and they have their mask on and you're like, did they not hear what the governor said? We don't have a mandate anymore. And, or they go out and, and they don't like, again, I'm not here to, I know this is so political and I'm trying not to step in it today. But I, I, I want to help you understand something that it's like we've found reasons to be offended at everything. And as a Christ follower, I want to just encourage you to, 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 to don't allow yourself to lose what this is all about. We are to be the most loving people on the planet. That we ought to love people. That we see that Jesus Christ commanded us and told us that he said, people are going to know that you are my disciples by the way that you love people. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter five, verse 43. Jesus drops this bomb. 
on the people of that day because the same thing was happening in that culture. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for, for that? Let me say that again. It says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. So I, I, I want to help us process this because I think that it's important for us to remind ourselves of how important it is for us to leverage love as we reach people for Christ. Do you know that this world, the culture we live in, they need Jesus Christ. I just want to say that. I know that sounds real simple and you're like, pastor, is this all you got today? You're just going to tell us that the world needs Jesus? Yes. The world needs Jesus. And I don't want to forget about that. I know I have my opinions. You got your opinions. My wife and I don't agree on everything. She's got her own opinions. But I'm going to say this to you is that we can never forget that this world needs Jesus Christ. And we need to be willing to do whatever we got to do to reach people. See, the Bible commands us and gives us the truths to live by. And God gives us the guidance to be able to allow us to change our lives. But it's so easy for us sometimes to, to judge the world for acting like the world. And they're acting like the world because they're in the world and they need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that changes their life. I want to show you this story that's so powerful. It's probably one of the greatest stories in the Bible where you see Jesus exemplifying this incredible love from God that we can also pass on to other people. And it's found in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. It's this story that some of you maybe have heard this story, but there's this woman that's having a really, really bad day. She has had a really, really bad day. Things are not going well. And in fact, it's so bad that, um, so bad in her life that somehow she's found herself in this, this affair. She's having an adultery. She's committing adultery. And um, I don't know how it happened. I don't know if, if, if she got into this affair with this other person and they, they, she committed adultery and, and, and it, just, it just happened. Maybe it was a look that just lasted too long, whatever reason. But the fact of the matter is that she, um, and she's committed this sin. And, and uh, the Bible tells us the religious leaders find her, they caught her, in fact, in the act, which is a bad day. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So in other words, they, they, this woman has been caught in the, the act 
of adultery and she's, she's got this sin in her life and they're, they're coming, they're, they're trying to embarrass her. They're trying to also embarrass Jesus. This is also a test for Jesus. And, and you know, one of the things that, that happens to a lot of us is that when we um, see someone that is, is, that has committed a, 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 a sin, a lot of times it's very easy for us to get self-righteous. It's very easy for us to, to look at their life and, and start to have our own opinions and we, we can say why this happened or that happened. And again, uh, my, my purpose is not to try to analyze why that happened. I, I just wanna kind of show you the response of Jesus. Because one of the things that you see is that, that Jesus sees past your worst days. If you want to write that down, is that the love, love sees past your worst. The love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, it will look past all of your worst in your life. You know, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And what happens is that we start to forget that we're all sinners. And I want to talk to you about this because I, I, I think sometimes we forget a, a side of, of uh, there, there are two types of sin. If you want to write this down today, there's the sins of the flesh. There's the sins of the flesh, which is basically gluttony, sexual immorality. There's addictions, there's outbursts of anger and Again, you could, you could talk a lot about the sins of the flesh. And most of us, when, when, before you came to Christ, these, the sins of the flesh were, were out of control in your life. But I know that, that a lot of us, even if you've got health problems and you keep going to the donut place, the, that's the sin of the flesh. If you're over-medicating with, with pain pills that you shouldn't be taking anymore and you're still, you're not in pain, but you're taking them, that, that's a sin of the flesh. But a lot of us, when you look at your life before you came to know Christ, the sins of the flesh were out of control and you gave your life to Christ and God's power through his grace, he began to change you. And one of the things that happens is that there's, there's another side of us that as Christ, as Christ followers, if we're not careful, we start to neglect, but it's still sin. It's the sins of the spirit. The sins of the spirit, it's pride, prejudice. It means they're having a good time out there. <laughs> Condemnation, lack of compassion. That's sins of the spirit. So you've got the sins of the flesh, which is gluttony, sexual immorality, addictions, outbursts of anger. And you've got the sins of the spirit, which is pride, prejudice, condemnation, lack of compassion. And isn't it true that we love to kick around the sin of the flesh? We are less likely to talk about our sins of the, our spirit. And what's interesting to me is that when you begin to read the New Testament, you begin to read in the Bible, Jesus seems the most disturbed by sins of the spirit. And one of the things that happens to a lot of us is that the sins of the spirit blocks us from actually being able to share and to love people in the way that we ought to love. The sins of the spirit are what causes us to become self-righteous. 
It's, it starts to make my pride, I, 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 I'm like, my lack of compassion, those are sins of the spirit and that causes me not to have compassion, not to love the hurting. Love sees past your worst. I, I want you to think about that in your own life. What is it? What type of spiritual sins are going on in your life? The sins of the spirit, I mean. Um, do you have a stone in your hand and you're wanting to throw it at somebody that maybe they, um, the sins of the flesh are so strong that you're like, man, I can't love them. And the sins of the spirit will cause you to want to throw a stone. Has spiritual pride crept into your heart? See, you know, you know the, the most dangerous person here today is the person that's forgotten where we came from. The person that's forgotten what God has done in your life. The person that's forgotten about how God has saved you. God loved you. And aren't you glad that somebody loved you and cared about you enough to tell you about Christ, to invite you to church, even though maybe you said no 50 million times, but they loved you enough. To... You know, some of you right now, what your kids need, and, and I know there's probably people in here that maybe your kids are like, I don't want to have anything to do with God, and I don't want to go to church, and they've formed their own opinions about God and church. And a lot of the, the, the bad conceptions that, that this next generation has of the church and of God, a lot of times it's because we've damaged it. And I, I want to encourage you to, to, to understand that you serve a God that's powerful, a God that can get a hold of anybody's heart, a God that can change people's lives. And the first place that you open the door with anybody has to be love. Jesus said the way that people are going to know that we are his disciples is that we love people. Love offers hope over hate. Listen to verse six. It says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, and let one let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. I love this. Jesus is bad. It's like, he's, he's like, okay, let the one that's never sinned throw the first stone. And I love that he keeps writing. I don't know what he's writing in the sand. Nobody knows. Maybe he was writing all the sins that they had committed. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until, one, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I love that John 3, 3.17 says this, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. I just want to encourage you and remind you today 
that God's going to put people in your life. And it's, it's going to be very tempting for you to, to want to shame them. And I don't know what it is a lot of times when we uh, are, are struggling with the sins of the spirit, our pride, our prejudice, condemnation, lack of compassion. We uh, oftentimes want to take our weaknesses and our flaws and we kind of want to take it out on other people. And we kind of want to throw it in their face. And so what you're doing is you're just looking for something that they, whatever flaws and weaknesses they have, because you don't like what's going on in your own heart. And so this is why, again, um, we use words that, that um, are so cutting. We'll say, man, you're so disorganized. And for somebody that a lot of people are like, oh, that, that's a compliment. Thanks. But, um, you know, for a lot of people, those, those can be words that can be hurting or, man, you are so lazy. or you're so selfish, or you're so childish, or you're such a nag, or you're a cheater, or you're a coward, you're, a, you're just like your mother, or you're just like your dad. And we use all of these words. Why? We're just trying to shame people because of what's going on in our own heart. And sometimes in our anger, what happens is we're trying to bring to light the very worst thing about the other person. And I, I just... Um, I want to encourage you to not live this life of, of shaming people, but to understand that Jesus Christ, uh, he loved you past your worst. He loves his love. It offers us hope over hate. It offers us this, this ability for us to be able to experience this love that is so unconditional to be able to give it out to other people. I love 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love, it never gives up. Love doesn't celebrate someone's shame. We live in a culture today that anytime somebody messes up, it's, it's like a celebration to celebrate the shame. Love doesn't advertise somebody's fall. Listen to Romans 12, 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Aren't you glad that God, his love believes the best in us? When you think about your life and what you've been through and what you've done in your life, aren't you glad that God believes the best in you? And isn't it true that a lot of times we're very quick not to believe the best in people? You know, I think about um, what my belief system and how it affects me a lot of times in my life. If I think, like, I've had a lot of back problems and I've had two back surgeries, blah, blah, blah. I could tell you on and on, a million back injections. But you know what? My, my pain a lot of times causes me to believe something false inside of my, my head. And a lot of times, uh, you know, when I'm going through just awful pain, my, my belief system starts thinking, man, I got a tumor. My head starts going crazy all over the place, thinking about all kinds of different things that could be wrong. There's a rupture. There's, I need major surgery. You can think of a thousand things. But you know what? There's something beautiful when you go get an MRI and they say, you know what? You're going to be okay. 
And your belief system, a lot of times, it's, it's powerful. And understanding that God believes in you and being able to believe in other people is powerful. When you understand the truth of God's word in your life, Romans 12, 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard at serving the Lord enthusiastically. You know, it's, it's, it's lazy to always see the others, other people's flaws. It takes work to actually honor people and to, to go out of your way to, to, to seek out honoring people. You know, I've thought about this last night and early this morning. I, I got up early and I was thinking about this and I was asking God. I said, God, I know that we live in a world and in, in the church world that we're just kind of numb to this. And we know that we need to love people, but it's, it's, it's a battle going on. And I just want to encourage you to, to understand that this is going to take you being intentional in your life to say, God, Help me to love people that are different than I am. God, help me to follow what you've, you've commanded me. I don't understand how love changes people like you say, but God, I believe that this love that I show people that are maybe are totally different than I am. Listen, unless you've been under a rock, our, our world is, 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 man, it's getting darker and darker and darker. And what? the world needs is the church to be the church that Jesus Christ envisioned for us to be. And that is for us not to sit around analyzing, judging people for us, but it's for us to rise up and be people of love. And you know what? That makes us a little insecure because we're like, well, if I love somebody, it makes me, then it's going to look like I'm telling them that it's okay what they're doing. No, you can love somebody and, and, and disagree with somebody. You can love somebody and not believe like they do or not vote like they do or not, not, there's a thousand reasons why you can disagree with everybody on the planet. But being able to say, God has loved me so much. God has changed my life. I want to take in turn the love that I've received in my life, not be a person that is going to shame people, love people or, or allow the sins of the spirit to rise up inside of me and that I become self-righteous and I become full of pride. And then after a while, I just hate everybody. And here's what's dangerous. This is like a dangerous drug because what happens is more and more you will raise your level of who qualifies for your love. Instead of backing up and saying, you know what, this is what the Bible has commanded me to do. I want to love people. Just some practical things. Um, if you want to write this down today, let your conversation be full of grace. Let your conversation be full of grace. Colossians 4, 5 says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Where do most of our conversations take place? These days, online. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What happens is that a lot of us, what happens is our conversations are full of salt and seasoned with grace. And the Bible tells us that we should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Love people more than being right. Love people more than being right. 
A lot of us, we love being right over loving people. And listen, people are what this is all about. And the last one is remember their humanity. A lot of times when we um, are upset or mad at somebody, we forget that that's somebody's mother, that's somebody's dad, that's somebody's son, that's somebody's brother. And we forget that that person is a person that Jesus Christ died for. So I want to challenge you to, to just spend some time thinking about what we're talking about. You know, in just a few weeks, we are going to be stepping into Easter. And Easter is, is a, one of the most incredible things that we celebrate. We celebrate a risen Savior. And we're not going to just celebrate Easter by putting on pastel colors, getting a little bit of eggs and get a little bit of, you know, some baskets and go Easter egg hunting. And this is about a risen Savior that paid a price so people would be saved. And what I'm praying over the next few weeks is that something awakens inside of you and that you get a fresh burden, a fresh passion inside of you that you say, God, help me to love this world. Help me to love these people. I, I, I want you to use me to reach the people that are the most unlike me. See, you know, one of the things that I've learned a long time ago is that when I go to somebody and I'm just trying to convince them of something, but I don't love them and I don't know them and I don't have a relationship, they're just arguing right back with me. You normally are never going to change anybody. But when you love somebody and you care for them and you have them over to your house and you're like, man, these people are nothing like us. Do you know that Jesus was accused one of the biggest things people accused him of was that he was friends of sinners. But you gotta be willing to get past all the stuff. And again, our culture is gonna try to define what love is. And as a Christ follower, I'm telling you, we've gotta stay biblical. We gotta love people, we gotta care about people. We gotta love people and we gotta care about people. I want to ask you to bow your heads and I want to pray for us today. You know, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ in your life, man, I want you to know that God loves you. He cares so much about you. He loves you so much that he gave his only son to die on a cross for you. He paid the price for your sins. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I, I know I'm not right in my life with God. And I know that the only way that I can be right with God is to receive Jesus Christ into my life, to forgive me of all of my sins. Would you make that decision right there at your seat? Just say, Jesus Christ, I receive you into my life today. I make you the Lord of my life. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for every person here today, God. I, I include myself in this today, Lord. I pray that today, God, all of us would be moved to love more. God, forgive us for spiritual pride and self-righteousness that it creeps into our heart. God, forgive us, God, when we care more about being right than care about people. God, help us to move beyond just trying to win an argument 
for the sake of winning an argument and saying, God, I care about this person and I want them to know your love. I want them to know how you can change their life. Father, I thank you for this, God. I pray that you would awaken this love in our heart. God, that we would truly love where we live. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.